We follow a code here on the Lollygaggers podcast. One where disagreements are settled by polite discussion and or rooftop slap fights. In this episode, Justin babbles about hard knocks and finally battles for Azeroth, while Jeff kills a guy and gets ready for Ravnica with new races. Both Lollygaggers then break down the Jason Statham aquatic masterpiece, The Meg, before ending with a gentleman's challenge. Alright, welcome to episode number 21 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things, comics, games, movies, etc. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. What's up, man? We took a week off. How you doing? Uh, it was an amazing... I mean, it's basically two weeks for us, really. So yeah, it was an awesome... Yeah. Yeah, it's an awesome time off. Um, I killed a man uh, in that uh, time. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all changed during time. Yeah, that's fine. With my bare hands and my words. Yeah, so I, uh, I, we had our first permanent character death in our new D&D campaign. Yeah, yeah. Keith was telling me about it. He said it was quite uh It's pretty epic. Quite surprising. And he said there was almost a, a full team wipe. Yeah, right? it was almost a TPK. Uh so the opening like adventure that they've been working on is has been Sahuagin, which is like basically fish people. Uh they you know like like uh, sea monsters and stuff coming up uh from the ocean, from the sea, and they've been attacking this uh this small town on the southern coast. And so where they like where we started our, our campaign and they've been inexplicably thrown into this and are trying their best to not only survive, but sort of be heroes and whatnot. And uh, at long last, they made it to into a fight with the Baron of the Sahuagin, who is, is sort of like the head of the uh, sort of the, the military force of this, uh, of this, these fish folk. And uh, it was a pretty intense fight. They had to try to sneak on to, an island uh, with a lighthouse where a lot of these Sohagen were keeping uh, certain folks uh, prisoner for different reasons to eat them later, to sacrifice them to whatever. Uh, but also, uh, also cause there's some weird magical stuff going on in that lighthouse that they're trying to figure out. But anyway, they got in a really big fight. Uh, took a very long time. It was a kind of a big map I built up. Um, I even gave them little NPC helpers and things like that to try to help them out. Um, and yeah, it was pretty close to a team wipe in, uh, Longley's character, uh, zealous, the cleric heroically died. He was the last to fall and he cast what's called, it's, it's a spell called spare the dying, which essentially stabilizes a person. So they don't have to roll death saves. Um, and so he managed to cast that on like literally everybody in the party with the exception of one of the NPC characters that got uh, dragged away by a shark and eaten. Um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he couldn't cast it on himself when the Baron kind of came over with his three arms and just sort of beat the crap out of him. And so was it like yeah. was the cast? Uh, your NPC pulls the pin from a grenade and says, "You guys go without me. I got this." Uh, no, it wasn't like that. Like spare dying doesn't like bring them back to life. It just means they don't have to roll death saves. They still they're still unconscious. Um, but I'd already established that like the the Sawagin weren't necessarily like killing everyone immediately. That they, they were saving people, keeping people alive for a little while for certain reasons. One of those is again was just like like cannibalistic, and then the other one was uh, because I have uh, kind of a storyline going on where they're. The Sawagin kind of worship this big, and this is sort of fitting for today's episode, a, a fairly big megalodon-type shark. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so like it's my own variation of what they do in, um, in like Forgotten Realms. So like it's Sekaloth. I think Sekaloth, I think, is the name of the of the, the shark god thing. But I uh, I kind of tweak it for for our setting. 
but anyway, uh, they were like sacrificing some of the the stronger folk, and so it made sense for them not to necessarily kill the rest of the party that had uh, been stabilized. And so this week's uh, this week's session was all about like them trying to to free themselves and uh, and yeah, and introducing Longley's new character in a sort of odd way. But we got we made it work. But yeah, it's it's a legit death. He ain't coming back. Uh, that's it. The grave cleric has fallen. And it sucks because it's their healer. And they don't really have a healer. They have like a ranger that can cast a little bit of heal spells and a druid that can cast some heal spells. But like, like he was like the full on, you know, he was the cleric, man. Does so, he just not like show up anymore? How's it work? No, he just, he rolled a new character. So. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, he's got yeah, a You samurai. come up with like an inventive way to invite him to the party, is how it goes? Yeah, so like they were, um, so so we started off this, this most recent session with them sort of waking up inside of a series of cages that were like kind of shark cages floating in the water like that's kind of how the swagon were, were storing people for future uh kind of for, for future um sacrifice to like this megalodon that would come by and they kind of woke up in in, in the cages and worked their way out um through a variety of skill challenges that i, I kind of like this bastardized fourth edition skill challenge thing which i know doesn't make much sense to you but if someone listening plays D, they know they kind of know a little bit of what i'm trying to do but there's a bunch of athletics checks and swimming checks and stuff like that to see if they can keep themselves up but um underneath the island uh where the lighthouse rested uh, the lighthouse keeper uh, the fairy master and one of the other dudes uh from town one of their npcs they all were like kind of running their own little smuggling ring. And so there's like this little smuggler's cove. Um, and that's where like the fairy master had been kind of hiding out for a bit and hoping for this like Swagan invasion to blow over. And I just sort of moved um, Longley's new character kind of into there, like kind of hiding out with him, which is why like they hadn't seen him for the past couple of days as this has been taking place. And so he just sort of pops out and it kind of worked. It was a little, a little ham-fisted, but like it worked. It worked out. So, I don't think you're getting. Yeah. I don't think you'd be getting critiqued on your D and D scripting too much. I think, it's, I think it's fine if it's a little ham fist. I don't need to worry about it too mm. much. I think it made sense. I think it made sense, and, and we worked it out. But it was pretty cool. Uh, Longley handled like a champ. It was actually really heroic and sad because there were like NPCs that were trying to fight with them, and a couple of them just straight up died. Uh, others survived. So yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty intense fight. There were just tons of swagging on these on this little like lighthouse island, and they were all just fighting and. There were sharks everywhere, uh, so like even going into the water was sort of dangerous. And then there's like this crazy, massive megalodon with all these different mouths. Because it's like a, it's not just a shark, but it's like a, a really big shark, and it's got more than one mouth. So it's just like all sorts of little mouths over the place. That's again my my version. So anyway, uh, but yeah, killed a dude uh, with my words. It was great. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So what about you? I, I did a lot of killing this week because. Oh, uh, God. AFK. <laughs> All right, so you can go. I'll, uh, I'll 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 send you a text when I'm done talking. Um, because World of Warcraft's new expansion came out, uh, Battle for Azeroth, and though the lead up and the explanation for the main plot lines are terrible, of like I'm killing them so they don't kill us type of garbage, is bad. This expansion has been unbelievable. The music, and I, and I think you can agree. Like a lot of times the the wow music is pretty exceptional um, it's fine but the music in this one is wonderful i love it the, the there's the new zones are huge um my only problem with it is that there's only three per faction and you can cross over to the other faction whenever you, you know whenever you want and quest over there 
But you kind of have to stick around in your zone for like the stories and stuff. There's not necessarily a full story if you go to the other side. Um, right. But my only complaint would be is that there is only six zones, three of which you really get involved with with a lot of questing. Um, so, but the zones are so big that they're so and they're so sprawling that each zone has multiple like aspects to it. Like the first zone I started in was this. Uh, it was called like storm calling mount. I can't remember, uh, which shows how memorable it was. I just like the zone. It's got like rolling hills and and deltas and beautiful like uh, countryside stuff. But then it goes up into the mountains, and there's a bunch of other stuff too. Like each zone has its own little sectioned off areas that makes it very unique, different colors and different uh, uh, like themes to just that. It's almost like mini zones within a zone. Which I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, the questing is good. They do they've really um, improved over the years, especially since uh, Burning Crusade. Because holy moly, Burning Crusade was garbage. Um, but they've really perfected how to do questing, how, when to like throw in interactive fun stuff, when to do the grind. You know the, the normal stuff. They do a pretty decent job of it. They've basically inquired uh or, or put in a pvp optional for everyone all the time so if you go into war mode which you can only activate in your main hub like stormwind or Agrimar, you become pvp enabled you can't come pvp enabled at any point you have to do it back at home and come in you can cross to their islands so basically you can go into war mode then go over to their island and just hunt order if you want but early on not many people are crossing over so when you're in war mode, you get a lot of XP. You get 10% more. So basically, it's an opportunity to be at risk. But man, there was times where I was doing it. It took me back to the old Malganus days where we'd be running around and just feeling like we're just got constant look over our back. Because I had to work all week. So people are hitting 120 day two, day three. I didn't hit 120 until like uh, yesterday. And so wow. like people are... Uh, are already coming over and trying to gank alliance and stuff and man i, I had some hard vietnam flashbacks of of the time we spent in malganus and just constantly being killed by goon squad people but uh yeah it was those, rough. Are good times. those are good times they brought back world questing which i think is good it's a way to get some armor and uh, earn rep and stuff like that it's it's just dailies but it's like they put a spin on it so it tricks my brain so i still do them um dungeons are amazing there's a couple really great dungeons that I really love. One of them, when I got into it, I'm like, Jeff would love this one. It's a goblin dungeon where the idea is, it's called Motherload, where they found a giant chunk of Azerite, and basically they built this little shanty goblin town in it, and you're basically raiding the goblin town to stop them from basically taking it from uh, the earth. And it's just, mm. a, it's super goblin-y. It's, it's, it's full of garbage and but junk. I would be on the goblin side. Yeah, so they're, like, they're like turncoat goblins. kill the goblins. Yeah, they're not good people. It's, it's kind of like so, when we were in Umargon, and I'm like, I don't want to kill these people. Yeah, they're all adorable. They've been infected. Like, come on. It's we, like, where's the, where's, where's FEMA? That's what we should bring in here. Not, yeah. not murders. But that's a really great zone. Um, Waycrest Manor is my favorite. Waycrest Manor is like Luigi's Mansion best way i can describe it it's this giant victorian uh mansion that you go through and basically there's uh the three witches from like or either hercules or uh what's the other one uh, homer's odyssey is that what it's from homer's odyssey the three witches you mean yeah. from macbeth 
from Macbeth. Macbeth and okay. from Hercules. But uh, so they're there too. You get to kill them. That's a really fun fight. There's a giant pig monster, which I knew you. I know you would love. Like I'm, I'm certain, certain these mobs. I'm like, oh, Jeff would love this. It looks amazing. Maybe uh, they're specifically targeting me, and they want me to come back. Yeah, they're like, we gotta get him back. Uh, and then like, there, there's this giant. There's a zone called uh, 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 Drusvar, Drusvail, and a uh, Drusvar. Drusvar is the Wicker Man, basically, and it's just beautiful autumn leaves and skeleton people it's there is a bees quest there is uh there's a straight up wicker man quest there where it's like not the bees do you get to burn nicholas cage alive there is there's all those things the only thing about that zone that stinks is i feel really bad for the people that had to actually watch that movie to get all the references in that specific zone um but it was great First raid comes out September fourth, so I'm kind of built up there. I'm one item level away from being able to go to heroics, uh, like on the uh, group finder. Um, so I'm slowly getting there. It's the same grind that it always is, but for me, I like it, so I'm okay with it. Um, only problems I have with it right now is the main overall arc still doesn't make any sense. But I have theories about it, and when time comes by, we'll see if they come through. So uh, if you if you got that Warcraft, you should go ahead and get this expansion um me and ash have been playing gabe just re-signed up and mm. wobbly wobbly uh has been doing he got he got done a lot faster because he didn't have to start working this week so so yeah get it it's at your uh, local blizzard store all right so that's what i did <laughs> okay all right uh so my next thing i got some rpg news uh so not just rpg i guess just tabletop news but i'll go through a few of them i'll start uh, with Dune, are you a fan of Dune? Like I Frank liked Dune, the book, the movies. So. I liked the the mini series on sci fi. The sci fi one with uh, the original he... one or the Children of Dune with James Matt. Children, Children's uh, both. I liked the Children of Dune. I thought it was good too, but the first one I thought was really good. The mm-hmm. movie with Sting, not a huge fan. Yeah. But not a David Lynch four hour. No, comedy. real no. weird. Sean Young, no. no. So many people in that one. It's crazy. But I prefer, uh, I really did like the miniseries on sci-fi channels. I actually just watched Dune, the movie. So they've been playing it a bunch uh, recently. Like on, I can't remember, it might have been the BBC. Uh, they're actually making a new movie out of it. Uh, 2020, uh, Dennis Villanueva. Yeah, they, so I'd heard about it. that. And he's a really yeah. good director, so it should be good. So this sort of ties in a little bit of that. So um, the, the Frank Herbert estate has uh, awarded Gale Force 9, uh, which is a tabletop company, board gaming company, uh the their license like a master tabletop gaming license for the for dune and uh so that they can make you know i'm sort of paraphrasing here uh, like a series of tabletop games uh and so there's gonna be a whole bunch of them and it's and then they're according to the press release they're going to be like drawing from the full scope of the dune franchise which uh, isn't just like frank herbert's books but also brian herbert's and kevin j anderson people who have kind of done more of those dune stories i never really got into like all of that i read like the first I don't know, maybe three or four books or so. Uh, but, and then that was a long time ago. It's been a while. But uh, I'm I'm sort of interested in it. Like, there's been some tabletop games in the past. Like, like Dune was a big time, like, board game way back, uh, a while back. But um, I think it was remade into, like, Rex, which is, uh, which is like a Twilight Imperium type game, I believe, if I recall. I haven't played either. Uh, I do have Dune the Dice Game, which was a... Um, a print and play game that's a territory control game it's pretty fun uh so 
anyway, they're uh, they're going to be making some Dune games, and they're kind of scheduling to sort of start coming out around 2020 when the new Dune movie comes out. And the first one that they're going to be doing is a RPG. So they're actually going to do um, Dune as a setting for an RPG. And they're working in Gale Force 9 as part of their license is allowed to actually work in conjunction with uh, other companies. And so they're partnering up um, or collaborating. I'm not sure exactly the specific language, but they're collaborating with uh, Modifius um, to make that the, the Dune RPG. And Modifius made like Star, Star Trek Adventures, Fallout Wasteland Warfare, and a couple other games, uh, Conan, uh, for instance, as well. So uh, and Tales from the Loop, which is a, a kind of a well-regarded um, RPG that kind of is a little bit Stranger Things kind of inspired uh, that came out a couple years back uh, on Kickstarter. So uh, kind of excited about this. Uh, I always really liked Dune. Um, I loved the movie growing up, even though it was really long and I don't think I understood half of it when I was a kid. Uh, I still don't think I understand uh, half of it, but maybe it's the other why half. Why is that fat man now. floating? Why? Yeah. Like, why, did, why does everyone have really bad skin? Like, don't they use OxyClean? Like, I don't understand. Uh, so, but anyway, kind of some pretty interesting news there. So if you're a fan of Frank Herbert's Dune, uh, there's going to be some stuff coming down the pike in the next year or two. Uh, so it's stuff to look forward to. But that's it. That's it for the for the Dune one. What else you got? Um, so I started watching Hard Knocks because Hard Knocks finally came to Believe Land. Right. Also gonna go AFK for this too. So good. Yeah, like, I'm maybe the only person in the world that cares about this. Uh, but uh, start watching Hard Knocks. I only got to the first episode. I wanted to start the second episode because I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, so they the every year they kind of have like a theme of what they're doing. The theme of this one's obviously about you know redemption. <clears throat> you know a phoenix coming from the ashes, even though it never was a phoenix. You know it was always just a. a hey, a I live near Phoenix. Yeah. So I guess a seagull rising from the ashes. That'd be more like it. Um, a lot of really cool moments. You know, I really like, I like docuseries. I like seeing, like, what these guys do behind the scenes and different stuff. They had some stuff with Jarvis Landry. You know, I have never really followed him before he's come to Cleveland. And since he's been there, you know, I hear a lot of bad stuff about him because, like, you know, I got Miami fans here in Florida. They're like, yeah, good riddance. I'm like, Okay, so I'm watching some stuff. He he had a lot of really great moments of, of leadership in the show. I, I really enjoyed it. And as a coach, I like seeing a lot of that type of stuff. I wish I could add. I want, like, this show to be, like, uh, required watching for football players to see, like, this is how you're supposed to act. This is the drive you're supposed to have if you want to make it where you're going to make it. Um, there's a quarterback's RV that... Uh, <laughs> it's a mega size because they're getting used to... They're getting uh, prepared for all 30 of them to get hurt this year i guess um but uh baker mayfield tyra taylor uh broman and i forget who drew i forget who their third string is they all go on there and they drew yeah they all go on there and they uh that's basically their little home to be at but they have the fourth string rookie come in and like set everything up it's really funny they went through uh baker mayfield signing and all that stuff which is really interesting to watch and uh, how much fun they were having with that. One of the more somber parts was Hugh Jackson lost his brother and his mother within 10 days of each other during the camp. Um, so they, they explored that, which is a really sad thing and show how he kind of gets through it um, and still kind of is able to coach and go through camp. My wife has no connection to any of this stuff. She The only reason she has connection to the Browns is because I watch them and I, I'm annoyed by them all the time. 
And so she'll make jokes about them, but she doesn't really know anything about anybody. But she sat down and watched a little bit with me because she just wants to, like, you know, uh, try to understand why I enjoy Misery, I guess. So when that moment happens, like, there's a moment where Hugh has, like, a, a Dorsey comes in and, like, the director of communications, all those other guys come in to come to, like, kind of finally say, hey, let's talk. And they give him a hug and stuff, and he breaks down. Hugh Jackson finally has this moment where he gets a chance to, you know, let it all out. My wife just starts bawling, crying, and so like, to me, it's just, it, it's a it's a very sad moment. But like, it's really interesting how my wife has zero connection to this and just immediately just starts crying. It was a really uh, interesting moment. One of my favorite moments of the show was uh, one of the linebackers came up and was talking to the whole team and said, <clears throat> because you know a lot of this has to do with like. The Browns, like, why would you come to the Browns? Why would you play for the Browns when you could play literally anywhere else? And they've won one game in 32, right? In 32 games, they've won one game. And one, the linebacker, I forget, it's a, a Lasky, I forget his name. He says, I want you to go home. I want you to take a piece of paper and tell me and write down why you do this. Like, he goes, when I first started this, I did this to get money to get my family out of a bad situation. That's done now. I have different reasons as to why. So I want you guys all now to go home and write why and put it somewhere we're going to see it every morning, why you're here, especially at Cleveland and why we're doing this right now. So I thought it was really interesting. I'm going to try and bring that into my team this week because we just got beat by a rival in our kickoff classic, which is a preseason game, but it was a pretty bad butt whooping. So I think I'm going to introduce that, introduce that idea to my team this week and see if I can kind of get that going. I, I like that idea of what's the point? of this why are you here what are you doing what you're doing because there's a lot of bad that can happen and you're in stink town cleveland you know so like you could be in uh new england and be a fourth string quarterback and have like five rings by now you know so it'd be interesting so anyways that's hard knocks it's on hbo i love it um i love all types of sports documentaries and now specifically since it's part of the browns i like seeing that whole behind the scenes thing so you guys check it out uh, but how about you, Bane? You're done? You're done? Okay. Yeah, I bet. So uh, I sent you something a couple days ago to read, uh, a piece of Unearthed Arcana. So every month-ish, uh, the D&D folks, uh, Watson folks, release some kind of playtesting material that they call Unearthed Arcana. So it's stuff that they're, uh, they throw out there for people who are playing the game to sort of test in their own home games and give some feedback. And then based on feedback, uh, they might tweak or change some of these things, and these things might appear in future publications. So sometimes they test new classes, sometimes they test new races, new systems, etc. And so the new Unearthed Arcana that just came out about a week ago uh, are the races of Ravnica. A couple episodes ago, I talked about how oh, the, yeah. how D and D uh, how they announced that there's going to be two new that there are two new settings coming down the pike, and one of them Eberron already already launched on uh, DM's Guild. Uh, but the next one that's coming in, I want to say November, if I recall, uh, is the Guildmasters of Ravnica, and released Unearthed Arcana of four um, playable races from the world of Ravnica, and uh, they kind of go through, you know, what they are, give you some some bits and pieces about like what you're gonna, what you could play, and and how they're actually going to work. So there's only four, uh, and I imagine that we're still going to be able to play things like humans and whatnot. But this is just these are some of the races specific to. So there's the Loxodons, uh, which are basically humanoids. So they're they're elephant people. 
and when I was reading through them, they, they call them like they have a couple different like subheadings. They're really loyal. They're lumbering giants. They're really good at stoneworking. Uh, they have a very kind of dwarf feel to them because they're very, they're much about masonry um, and stone cutting and things like that are elements that they get. So they do have, I think, some kind of overlap a little bit thematically with what a lot of people usually associate with dwarves. Um, they have other things as well. They do have a trunk and that trunk can be used for a variety of different things. Um, so you're actually able to use that as an appendage to uh, kind of carefully manipulate things. Uh, so items and such like that. Uh, there's, you know, they get constitution and they get wisdom score. I'm not going to go through all that kind of stuff, but they do have, um, natural armor. So like when you're not wearing, you know, armor, you can kind of have your own armor. So just like, if you're, if you don't want to wear like, you know, plate mail or chain mail or something, you can actually have your own armor, which is kind of interesting as well. So, um, the loxodongs, yeah. So they're, they're elephant folk. Um, the next one is the Simic hybrid, uh, which is some sort of science experiment, basically. Uh, the Simic Combine, which is one of the guilds, I believe, uh, from Ravnica, where what they do is they fuse different life forms together, and then they create um, this sort of adaptation. Um, usually it has something to do with either the humans, the elves, or the Vidalcan, which is another one of the races I'll talk about in a second. Um, there's a whole, like, they have some of the, the lore about, like, what the Guardian Project is in here, but I don't really understand all of it entirely. But... Um, What's interesting about the Simic hybrid is that you get to kind of make choices about how your um, your character physically evolves over the course of the game. So you can have different appendages, appendages or different uh, that grow. Um, so for instance, um, at level one, so right when you start the game, you get to choose like one of three options. So you can have what's called a Manta Glide. So you have these ray-like wings that allows you to do slow falling. Um, you could be a nimble climber, or you can have an underwater adaptation, which essentially allows you to be uh, kind of amphibious and makes you swim better, and and which is kind of nice. And then uh, at fifth level, you're able to make another choice. So you can either choose one of the two that you didn't choose from level one, or you can grow some grappling appendages, which allows you to grow extra arms, um, basically. So like they could be claws or tentacles or something like that, and you can use them as natural weapons. Um, or you can grow a carapace, so you can essentially kind of have a turtle shell, so to speak. Or you can spit acid, uh, which uh, actually levels up as you, or like scales as you level, which is really, really nice. Uh, so it seems to be sort of like a like a hybrid race, but not like a half-elf, um, more as in a scientific, ex you know, science experiment. And from that, you're kind of deriving some sort of interesting elements. Yeah, Simic uh, the third race, of, uh, your merfolk. That's what Simic usually yeah, is. Yeah, that's what I, when I was doing like some Google searching just for images, because like the Unearthed Arcana has any art in it, it's just text right now. Um, that's what I was seeing. It reminded me a lot of the the one dude from Mass Effect, whose name I'm completely forgetting right now. Uh, Mass Effect 2 and 3. Uh, so the third one is Vidalcan, which is based, like, they're basically Vulcans. It is like blue skin Vulcans is what uh, I kind of equate them to um they're all about quote cool rationality and they're tall and they're slender they're all about rational thought which is somewhat of a synonym for logical thought which is why i associate them with vulcans um they're also blue skinned um they believe that not everything is perfect but you're kind of striving towards it and that every imperfection quote is a chance for improvement um so they seem pretty interesting uh but they there's not a whole lot that I think that stands out in terms of like uh, the specific traits that you're getting from them, but I think thematically they're kind of a, a kind of a cool thing. And then I'm not sure if we're going to pronounce this last one properly, but it's the Viashino or the Viashino or something like that. Vashino. And they're 
Vashino. They're basically uh they're just um so they're similar to like maybe Dragonkin or Lizardman or something like that. Um, but they have scaled skin and they have tail blades. Uh, so you can actually use your lashing, like a lashing tail to uh, make attacks with it. So you can, you can actually use a melee attack um, as a reaction as well. And uh, yeah, they seem kind of interesting. Um, but uh, I, they, they just sort of, to some degree, seem a little bit like a variation of maybe the Lizardmen, which are already kind of uh, in, in game, uh, in D&D. Uh, they have a bite ability where you can actually do unarmed attacks. Um, usually when I see like uh, a racial ability that involves like giving you like an unarmed attack, like a bite or something like that, I always wonder, is that really good for most classes? Or is it really only good for like a monk or something maybe? But but those are the four classes so far. They seem kind of, or, excuse me, four races uh, that they're talking about so far. I'm not sure if they're going to have any more that are specific to Ravnica. Um, from what I understand, there are quite a few other races that they could potentially pull from. Uh, so they've they've also in the past couple of months for Unearthed Arcana done things like Minotaurs and Sens, um, I suppose could uh, also at some point. Uh, but pretty interesting. I definitely uh, like thematically the idea of like elephants. They're pretty cool. And the Simic Hybrid, I like the idea of it as well. Um, so those two to me stood out more than the others. But that's the Unearthed Arcana. You can just you can get it online. It's a PDF uh, at Wizards of the Coast. So media.com. Uh, and just an Earth Arcana. You can kind of read through them, uh, maybe try them out in your own game if you're interested. So looking forward to this in a couple months when they release the full book. So, what else you got? I would expect them to have spirits for Orzov, probably trolls for Golgari, mm-hmm. undead for Demir, um, or well, some type of Cthulhu-type monster for Demir. It's... It's not just, I mean, like, these are playable races. So, like, like there's going to be like, races that, that will exist. So it's just a question of what they want to be playable. I think it'd be uh, cool to start. be a spirit. I think that'd be interesting. Just be like a ghost person. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. So, How to balance that would be interesting, though. All right. So the last thing I got is a little bit of a movie roundup. Um, I got some news I want to talk about. First thing is Watchmen receives a series order for HBO. Um, right. Uh, like how you say movie roundup, and then your first piece of news is TV. Yeah, whatever. It's like movie. Uh, <laughs> it's like long movie. Uh, yeah, uh, that's just the one that's directed by David Lindelof uh, of Lost David? fame. He's the writer. Yeah, so the, the uh, Lost writer fame. He's also done a bunch of other stuff, but he's in that. He also had the guy from Sleepy Hollow is playing. I, I, if I were to guess who he's playing, it's probably the guy on the pirate ship. <clears throat> If I were to guess, probably that guy. Because uh, if they're doing a TV show, they're definitely going to do the the pirate ship uh, parallel with it. Because they're going to have plenty of time to get through it. So there's also like a whole bunch of stuff that they've been teasing about. Like the casting kind of like indicates they're going to do a lot of flashback stuff. Or at least a large part of the show is going to have a lot of stuff from the original Watchmen. But the show, the, the the original comic, the graphic novel has a lot of that already where they kind of like go back in time and talk about that, you know, those groups of people. Anyways, thought that was interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing the HBO Watchmen show. It's it's a sequel, though. Like, it's not a remake of the movie. Like, they're going to be in it. Like, it's a reimagining to some degree. And it's kind of like a, it's it's set after the events that oh so place. after after squid monster basically 
so, and it's basically being the premise is that um, like vigilante superheroes are, are are basically like they're criminals now. Um, is the the basic idea. There's a bunch of people in it, by the way. Like Jeremy Irons is gonna is got cast in it. Regina King, Don Johnson, Lewis Jr. Hold on, out loud. hold on. Yeah. Don Johnson. Don Johnson. I know. That's you're burying the lead there. Jeez. Well, I mean, I said I went Jeremy Irons and Regina King. I, I feel like those two are. No, I don't know, Don I'd Johnson kind of number one there. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm obviously gonna watch it. I'm a little Hall fan because um, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed Leftovers, really enjoyed Lost. Um, so like, well, the whole alien stuff, eh, kind of hit or miss. But uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. What else you got? Uh, Sony is splitting their silver and black movie into two films, which breaks me up. You know, because I was really looking forward to a movie based off of ancillary characters from the Spider-Man universe, much like Venom, uh, but even less important, like uh, Black Cat and Silver Sable. So now, instead of putting them together, it'll be two separate movies from Sony. So they're creating this whole Spider-Verse thing going on with some characters nobody cares about. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I got nothing. I got. I got. Nothing. I got absolutely nothing. This one. Last little bit. <clears throat> I thought this was very interesting because this affected me uh, personally. Movie Pass stinks, um, and they're well, folding. They're, what are they? A hundred million dollar loss? Is that? It's real to? bad. Uh, <laughs> I keep getting these emails about like, hey, sorry you can't yeah, see fine. movies, yeah. but everything's yeah. okay, guys. Yeah. What is? You know, you're that meme. Where it's like the dog sitting on a sitting at a desk and there's fire yeah, behind everything's him. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. So they're going bankrupt, right? Uh, shareholders sued on Monday because they have been losing money left and right. Their losses went from three million a year ago to one hundred twenty six point six million by June, right? So that's what happened. They're spending seventy seventy three million monthly. Monthly. All right. Their old model was watch whatever movie you want, pay us 15 bucks a month. When I heard this idea, I'm like, I feel like that's somehow not going to make money because that doesn't seem okay. For me as a consumer, great. I loved it. I was like, all right, this is, this is a great deal for me. But for someone who is trying to earn money, that seems very difficult. They have now changed their form as you get three movies a month. And they choose the movies. And usually those movies are the movies nobody's watching so they can bump up box office tickets, basically. And so now your choices are limited. You can only do certain amount of things. So we just, like, forget it, cancel it. So all those free movies I got before, gone now. All over. It only lasted what, eight months. I guess it was worth it. I got plenty of movies out of it. But, like... Didn't somebody get that for you as a gift? Too? Yeah, it was a gift. These movies were so you completely got nothing, free. You got, you got nothing. You got nothing to complain about. No, I'm not complaining, complain. but I would like to have had it for another four months, you know? But mm. it's just, wow. I, I don't understand how this business model would have worked. I just, I don't understand how, anyways. Movie Pass, uh, they're going down. Yeah, that's so, no good. Yeah. That's no good. Anyways, I'm done. You got anything else? Uh, No, it's good. We can, we can, we got, uh, we got some, some sharks to talk about. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm super. I've been I've been waiting for this since a couple of months ago when I saw the first uh, the first trailer. So I, I I'm ready to go. I'm ready Me to go. Me too. I'm good. Yeah. All right, let's do it.
It's the movie. Breakdown. The Meg is a 2018 action movie directed by John Turtletop and loosely based on the Steve Alton novel Meg, a novel of deep terror. Now, it stars Jason Statham as Jonas, a rescue diver who must come out of self-imposed exile to help save his ex-wife and some other folks uh, when her research submersible discovers a previously unknown trench in the Pacific Ocean and promptly gets attacked and stranded at the bottom of said ocean. Uh, now, within this trench is the titular Meg, short for Megalodon, a massive prehistoric shark that begins to wreak havoc across the nearby waters. Now, what began as a research and rescue mission turns into something of a hunt, as Jonas leads other researchers, including Ruby Rose as Jax, Rain Wilson as the billionaire Morris, and Cliff Curtis as Mac, in an attempt to kill the shark. Now, we're going to do our best to avoid major spoilers, and if we do decide to go kind of full spoiler, uh, we will give you some sort of warning. Uh, with that said, Justin, what'd you think of the Meg? I don't know. It was weird. Did you um, not go see it? Or I definitely saw it. I was definitely in the movie theater. Okay. <clears throat> um, you were definitely in the movie theater. I, mean, I was definitely in a movie theater, the and there was a shark on the screen. It might have been a different movie that was playing. I mean, it, yeah. So it was, it was okay. Um, I went in fully knowing that this is a movie about a giant shark, and this is not like this isn't Inglorious Bastards. This isn't like uh snatch like to me snatches or snatches like the top tier for me or the lord of the rings like this is going to be n not something profound however i feel like it could have been more campy um there's times that this movie got real serious <clears throat> and i felt like it, there was a lot there was a lot of times where it was very funny and lots of like tongue-in-cheek moments or poking fun at each other type of stuff, which was fine. The little girl especially was responsible for many of those sort of like yeah. cheesy moments. Which yeah. my wife loved that little girl. She thought she, she was looked, hilarious. Like, she my was wife like, turns over and she goes, the eyebrow that, raise was so yeah. good. That was so funny. My wife comes over and goes, that's my favorite part of the movie. And I'm like, yeah. She's like talking about the little girl. But uh, sure. I don't know. It just sometimes it... I was talking to my wife about this. So this movie is clearly, clearly being demographically aimed towards an international audience um, well it's co-produced with china it's a yeah. u.s chinese co-production so it almost feels like china made a movie right and they have a full film there and then they came over to america and did some reshoots with jason statham ruby rose and rain wilson right it just kind of feels. Yeah, I don't. Like I don't. I don't agree with that. But yeah, it's fine. Keep it's going. It's just. It's so geared towards the international market, um, because I just don't understand. Like, what do you? What do you mean by this? What do you mean geared? Because it's depicting another country? No, because like all the serious moments were spoken in Chinese. All the really? yeah, like all the serious moments, like the well acted moments. Um, well, I don't know if there were any of those, but well, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, like, yeah, I mean, when the, the father daughter, like they're both Chinese yeah. like, they're speaking Chinese to one another and then the daughter, uh, and granddaughter, I suppose you can say, but then like Jason Statham's got serious moments and he didn't speak in Chinese or anything like that. And, Did he have serious moments? Cause he just seemed like, I Jason mean, sort of, kind of serious moments. Yeah. Like when he went and he gave that speech where everyone was sitting around at the, at the uh, at the, the table, boys, the I know that my abs are fantastic. What are you doing? What are you we got to go out there and get Stop that. Stop it. You're ruining Jason Statham for me. Stop it. But like, 
I enjoyed the movie. I think it could have been f- funnier or had more of a tongue in cheek feel or campier, but I enjoyed it. Like it wasn't. I didn't have any laugh out loud moments, and I, I was never scared. But I didn't regret the money that I spent, like because I'm spending money now, right? Because movie pass is gone. I didn't leave the movie welcome, theater saying, the <clears throat> "Yeah." I didn't leave the movie theater thinking this was a waste of my money. I enjoyed the movie, but. I don't know, it just seemed kind of weird. Like, the last quarter of the movie seemed like a, you know, they introduced new characters, like, right away. Like, you're supposed to care about the little boy and stuff like that, and just, or the or the puppy. And, like, it's just so weird, like, how it ended yeah. with that type of, like, introduction of these new types of ideas and characters. Those weren't, like, I mean, those weren't characters. I mean, like, like those yeah, I were, know, but, like, like... You don't know the kid's name. He's just there, so because, like, there's an imma- immensely crowded beach. Right, and they're worried about what might happen if the shark gets to it. And rather than, I mean, like they're trying to put a face to it so that it's not just this massive yeah, group I of guess. people like this. And like, so they're like, "Hey, let's focus on this one little boy, and let's focus on these teenagers on top of like, you know, on, on top of these diving platforms. Like, let's focus on those." So, but like to call them characters is kind of a stretch. Like, yeah, I guess the, they're no Alex Kintner from Jaws or anything like that. Yeah, like anyway, so like. That's kind I, of what it was. So. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I didn't think it was a waste of money. But then I also knew going in, this is going to stink. So my expectations were low. Everything with Rain Wilson, I thought was great. I thought he was the, was pretty the, funny. Yeah, the best pretty, part of the movie. Even, uh, even that whole whale scene was great too um, with him. <clears throat> I liked it even though most of the stuff that happens in the movie is so tel- you know, uh, telegraphed. Like, if you've seen any movie ever that has to do with a shark, you know what's happening. I thought uh, sure. the guy who I forget the name of the the black character because Jax was Ruby DJ. Rose. DJ. DJ. I thought yeah. DJ was good in the movie. Ruby Rose is just Ruby Rose. She's just uh, she's really, Batwoman. Yeah, mm-hmm. stoic, I guess. But like, I thought she was fine. Um, I thought. Uh, it was weird how they had like his ex-wife, but it really wasn't like really an emotional type of thing. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I thought that was strange. Yeah, it was really odd. Because uh, like, you would think like maybe she would be the love interest or something like that, but then like you're like that's cool. Yeah, it's not. They they shift. Yeah, it's real different. I don't know if that's just because I'm not used to the normal trope, but or I'm used to the normal trope and I'm just not used to what they're doing here. But it just seemed weird, um, and. Like, I thought certain there's clearly plot holes, but you can't really take stuff seriously with this thing. Like, it's just, it's a movie about a middle nun. So, eh, it was all right. What do you think? Okay, so I mean, you know, I love Jaws. It's like one of my top two movies of all time. That and the thing. Like, so now Jaws. it's three, right? Because Meg's in front of it. Meg, I I enjoyed it. I wouldn't put it up with them. And like there were Jaws references, like you ref you mentioned them. Like the dog was named Pippin. Well, in Jaws, there's a dog named Pippin in the very beginning. And then like the kid who wanted to go swimming with his mother, who said no. And like, well, that's Alice Kittner from Jaws, etc. So there are all sorts of little things like that that I enjoyed, um, like little little references or little nods to the movie, whatnot. And I also found it kind of. I started to think about this as I was leaving the theater, um, and I, I was I was sort of remarking on why is it that so many shark based movies since jaws i mean i I, i'm gonna totally fabricate a number here but i would i would hazard a guess at well over 90 percent of any movie that's been made that involves a shark 
as the the primary culprit, um, the, the the monster, whatever you want to call it, have been so pulpy and cheesy since Jaws. And like Jaws is a serious, like incredibly good movie that's supremely well acted with Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss and Roy Scheider and whatnot. But like since then, so many shark movies these days are are silly. Like Sharknado taking it to the like to the immense extreme, right? It doesn't really get much more extreme than Sharknado. And don't get me wrong, it's enjoyable, it's fun, it's silly. Like I try to, I started to think about like what are some shark movies that have come out that haven't been like just completely ridiculous, you know? Um, and like, like Deep Blue Sea was stupid, and then like, <laughs> like it's just stupid. Don't get me wrong, like I'll, I'll sit down and watch it like any day, but like it's stupid, you know? And like I, I, I want to watch the sequel because it just premiered on on something on Sci-Fi the other day. And like then there was the Shallows. I think that was the one with Blake Lively, which was at least they took like it was taken seriously, but it was also like I don't know, it's it's kind of slow because she's just it's just like one person. She's like she's stuck out there surfing. Buoy. It's like it. Then there's like 47 meters below or 47 meters down or something like that, which I haven't seen yet. But like so many of them have like they just I don't know they just don't seem to like want to create. So the Meg very clearly is going for the kind of like the big blockbuster pulpy kind of thing right like it's just like it's it's ridiculous it's like there's there's some sort of weird hydrogen sheath at the bottom of the pacific ocean or south china sea wherever the hell they were and if you can pierce it you can go down underneath it and then beneath it it's like the 20 it's twenty thousand leagues under the sea there's all sorts of big old fish and like there's a whole ecosystem down there that apparently there's this freaking shark that's been there i don't know how but like whatever like don't don't overthink it i suppose and yeah, it's just like the the premise is like absolutely ridiculous, and like Jason Statham's in it, so I'm like, at what point is he going to smother himself in oil and kung fu fight this sucker and have know? his shirt and off? Like, and it happened. And, you get your shirt off, and, and it sort of happens too, which is hilarious. Um, so like, okay, so what did I think of the movie? Um, I was a little, uh, I, I was I was reading a review after like I got home, and like someone I can't remember where it's from, but they said it wasn't good enough, but it also wasn't bad enough. Like it, it felt squarely in like the middle because it wasn't so bad like a Sharknado that it was like so ridiculously bad and self-aware bad that you can like laugh at it in sort of a, a silly, you know, B-movie trash kind of way. But it also like wasn't super good like a Jaws, which you can like take it seriously and you have like really amazing dramatic moments and great acting. It was somewhere in between. And so it was still an enjoyable experience, but like if it felt like a weird movie to sort of categorize or, or sort of or, or reflect on because like, I didn't like there weren't really a whole lot of high moments, you know, like when I'm thinking of like, Oh, this is like really memorable, amazing moment, but there also like weren't a whole lot of really terrible moments too. So like, I felt it was a movie that was above average, but not by much. And it, I think it's deserves to be in the theaters. I think it was a good experience. I think it was fun to watch, but I don't necessarily think it was like a great movie. And I don't think if it it was like the the B movie types that you can enjoy for being bad, it was just somewhere in between. And I think if you're a person who like either likes Jason Statham just because you like Jason Statham, or if you're a person who really likes sharks movies, like that, I would put myself in that category. Like I think you're gonna enjoy it. Um, but like outside of that, I just, I don't know. I don't think there's a whole lot for people, you know, it when just, was, it just feels kind of, you know, when I was talking yeah. to my wife about it, I was like, with movies like this, you gotta kind of get either, you gotta kind of get the cabin of the woods feel, right? I like cabin in the woods because it's a thing where it's like, Hey, here's this, here's this obvious trope, right? This obvious generalized horror idea. 
and let's kind of like turn it on its head with some humor in a way that makes it so you can still take the serious parts serious and the ridiculous parts ridiculously. Like my a couple of my favorite scenes in Cabin in the Woods is like when all the monsters come out of the elevators, right? Or right. when uh, Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> yeah, when Chris Hemsworth just takes a header straight inside of a uh, of a wall, right? And it's supposed to be like this generic heroic moment. So like, whenever you get movies like this, I expect that type of like thing. But then it it, it almost mm. tried to be too serious. I also told my wife this movie is a couple million dollars too high to be a Netflix movie. Like if they if they cut back on pricing just a little bit, this could have been easily a Netflix movie. And well, it's made over two hundred twenty million internationally. It's doing quite well internationally. So like it's there might be a Meg two. I think there's definitely going something. to be one. Absolutely, I'm down with that. Yeah, let's do it. Like I'll, just, right. I'll, I'll go see it. Like I seriously will yeah. go see it. Like I'll, I'll enjoy it. But again, I really do feel like this is the type of movie that I don't. I just I don't know. I, I just think unless you're you fall into a specific category of uh, you know a person who just likes like shark movies, like I just don't think it's. Yeah, it's just it's a strange movie that I, like, I feel like it's too good to be considered a goofy campy movie. But it's not good enough to really be considered like a truly kind of scary movie the way that Jaws can be a truly scary movie, right? Like it's neither of those things. Because at no point did I feel like, oh man, I'm super scared for what might happen to this character. You know, like there were one or two times like there were some couple jump scares here and there, which whatever. But like I never really felt like, oh geez, oh oh, this is gonna be terrible. Like what's gonna happen here? You know, Um, like but it's just yeah. I also feel like there were yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. It's kind of like uh, the new Ninja Turtles movies, right? Like the first, the first Ninja Turtle movie was terrible because they tried to be serious and dark or something like that, like a Transformers type of feel to it. But I felt the second one was better because they're like, yeah, we're giant turtles. Let's throw out Bebop and Rocksteady and Krang. Let's just be stupid with it. Like embrace the stupid sometimes and it can be a little bit better. Now, is the second one great? No, but I liked it better than the first one. You know, it's just the thing where it's like, enjoy the ridiculousness of what you're doing, and people will enjoy that movie better. You know, that's all it is. So the other point I wanted to make, uh, and you you kind of alluded to this before, but with like the whole ex-wife not ended up being, I felt like there were too many characters. Uh, I felt like this was a case where I uh, like the characters that we were truly meant to focus on, I thought there were too many, and I feel like it needed to be narrowed down. Um, uh, and I feel like the ex-wife, like you're right. I totally agree. I feel like the ex-wife's character was sort of extraneous. And I feel like some of the other folks were also kind of extraneous. And I felt like a couple of those might've been combined better. Um, so I know that one of the things that we talk about a lot in like the, the writing classes, like that, that I teach is like, we talk about if you have too many characters, like just combine two of them into one. Are they, are they, are they both overlapping and trying to do the same thing? Like, what are they accomplishing? And so there were a couple of times where I just felt like, I don't really see the point of this character. Why can't these two be combined? Or why can't these two be combined? The fact that that. she was the ex-wife made no difference to the story at all. Right. So, like, that to me seemed like, well, then why? You should have, like you said, combined the daughter of the the head, you know, the mother of uh, Mayink, the best character of the movie, and the (laughs) ex-wife. That's one one character right there you should have just done, you know? Right. Now, I also felt like Mac, who is Cliff Curtis from Fear the Walking Dead, and the and like uh, and Suyin's, uh father, um, 
like the the boss of it all. I felt like those two could easily have been combined. And then you had like Walt Longmire playing like the uh, the doctor. So I always remember him. It's uh, it's Robert Taylor. He plays uh, Walt Longmire on the on Longmire on Netflix now. But uh, well, I guess it gets, it's over now. But anyway, the point was, I just think there were too many characters, and it was hard to really kind of invest in some of them. And I feel like a lot of them were under underserved or underutilized. Like I honestly feel like Ruby Rose's character really didn't do anything. Like, which yeah, is a she shame. Just, she just looked like Ruby Rose the whole time. She just kind of just sat around and like, like, like people referenced the fact that she was good at her job. Awesome. But like, she never really. What is her job? Anything. What's her job? Yeah. Well, she was like the, like the head engineer or something like that, but she never really did anything. And then like DJ, like he was just sort of there as kind of comic relief. So I, I don't know. I felt like there are too many, there's a too, too big of a cast of characters for us to really kind of get, uh, kind of to really start caring about them. Like, I remember again, going back to Jaws, like, there are side characters, but like there's three main characters that people remember from Jaws, and that's that's Hooper, Quint, and Brody, right? Like those are the three. Like they go on the they go on the Orca and they go hunting down Jaws. Now there are other characters, right? There's there's you know there's Brody's wife, uh, there's the mayor, you know, and there's the little kids, obviously, but like they're not like major characters that we're supposed to focus on. And then eventually they get out of the way for like you know like the, the that last act, which is like so amazing. And this one, I just felt like they didn't get out of the way. <laughs> Everyone just kept getting on the damn boat. I'm like, there's too many people on this boat. Why are there so many people on this boat? Uh, and so it just felt like too much. And yeah, it just, it just, it, I feel like you could have whittled that down a little bit, um, and it could have been, it could have been nicer. Maybe we would have could have could have actually gotten to to get to know some of them a little bit better, and those relationships could have been more cleanly defined um, in ways that I don't think the movie really did. Uh, and because of that, I don't really think it made us care too much about them other than the kid. But then again, she's a kid and she's adorable. So it's really like you have to be a horrible person to not, you know, care about that little girl. So but I mean, overall, like if I'm going to, you know, it's hard for me to recommend this to a person in the theater. Like I wouldn't go. I I, I don't necessarily think someone should really don't, don't go out of your way. It is a hundred. It's a hundred percent when it gets. Oh, totally. Like, totally watch it. Super. You better watch this when it's on. HBO. I think I think it's definitely like, an like HBO said, type I, of movie. Like when it's coming on HBO or Showtime, yeah, like whatever the hell it appears on. Fifteen bucks. Yeah. If you're a big yeah. like you know Jaws fan or Shark fan, then yeah, go see it. But like, I just think for the for most people, I think it'll be an enjoyable weekend. Or if it's on Netflix or something like that, like totally pick it up. I don't know where it's gonna go, but uh, but other than that, like it's it's good, but not it's it's above average. Like it's definitely above average. So. I feel exactly the same way. This thing where it's mm-hmm. like, I enjoyed it, but if we didn't have this podcast, I probably wouldn't have seen it on my <laughs> own. Uh, but okay. like, and I probably wouldn't suggest others do as well, but it's like, when, if this thing came out on HBO or Hulu, or so, I'd, I'd be like, immediately watch when it's on there. Like, I can't believe I haven't watched them yet. So, it's just, it's, it's upper middle, it's, it's just above average. So I would give it like, you know, a it's C- better than the Titan. Oh, geez. That's not, yeah. that's not fair. It's way better than the Titan. I think. So. Okay. So that's the Meg. It's a, it's a good movie. It's worth, you know, be patient with it, wait for it to come out and then, you know, take a look at it then. It's, it's definitely enjoyable. And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge. So the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast, where Justin and I like to assign each other some sort of homework to complete before the next episode. This homework assignment usually is like a movie to watch, a game to play, a TV show to watch a few episodes of. Uh, Sometimes these assignments are meant to drive the other crazy. Sometimes they're just meant to have us do something fun for a week. 
uh, then to ensure that we do our homework, we come back the next week and we quiz each other on what we were assigned. Uh, now, I should also warn you that pretty much everything we talk about here is completely spoiler heavy, uh, so we don't we don't shy away and we might blow the ending of things. Uh, so, Justin's going to go ahead and start us off this week. Justin, what'd you have to do? Uh, you had me play Armello, which is a uh, video game tabletop game on Steam. Uh, I didn't right. buy it when it was cheap, so I bought it for twenty bucks. I know, but... dumb, dummy, yeah. dummy, dummy. It's oh, worth it. God. That was good. I re- so here's the thing. Okay. Uh, early spoiler to my review. I wish I played it with friends. That's all it is. So the thing is, Justin, uh, yeah. the the actual challenge was to play the game with me or Wobbly. Now, I had family in town for a week, so I was kind of, but, you know, we had two weeks, and I guess he didn't play. So, like, this is the second time you have not completed I've, failed. I've automatically failed. You've, yeah, you've automatically failed. Okay. We'll do, it's we'll like, do normal quiz question, but you've automatically failed. It's like you say, turn in a persuasive essay, and I turn in, like, uh... And you write in a narrative. You give yeah, me a narrative. And I'm like, uh, you know, uh, thanks. He did the work, I guess. This yeah. D. That's, yeah, no. Like, I, I fail people when they do that. Like, easy. Right. So anyways, um, basically what Armel is, it is a tabletop video game on Steam. Uh, I can't remember who developed it. That's where I was trying to figure out. Um, I'll look it up. Keep going. But anyways, the theme of the game is you are part of the country of Armello, and you and other Armelians are vying to get prestige so that they can one day become the ruler of Armello. There's a whole bunch of characters. Uh, you have Thane, so you have wolves, which are Thane and River. Rabbits are Amber and Banrabi, because I want to say Barnaby, but I think that's the whole point of it. Uh, you have rats Mercutio and Zosha, uh, and the bears Santa and Brun. Which one do you think was my favorite, Jeffrey? I'm going to, uh, the bear? Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Anything that's closest to my body by the way, it's uh, developed and published by League of Geeks. Uh, League of Geeks. There's Anyways, debut, uh, they they are their debut game. It's also the same people who made Anti Hero, uh, who which is a game I assigned uh, to you for homework uh, several episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. It's the one with the little thieves and orphans and whatnot. So uh, the the way the game works is basically it's hexagonal tiles, and you uh, traverse around the map to try and collect objectives, build prestige, and also. Uh, avoid rot but then there's also win condition with rot it's real weird but basically um there's two different phases of each round there's a night phase and day phase depending on the type of creature you are the the pet person you are you have different bonuses for being in the night and in the day like the wolves and the rats benefit from being in the night and the bunnies and the bears benefit from being in the daytime so there's different types of pluses and minuses when they attack in certain times of the day um, you have a forest tile, which helps you keep stealth. Mountains have better advantage for you during fights, but also take two action points to get into. And you have swamps that, uh, hurt you when you go through there. So basically they'll usually pair swamps right next to mountains. So you have to make a decision of like, do I spend more action points or do I lose a health going through here? It's kind of like a, a better or worse thing. Sure. On top of that, you have... Different little towns that when you enter the towns, the, you gain prestige because you're kind of like the owner of that town. Uh, you also have uh, dungeons and 
uh, stone, like, they look like little Stonehenge things. I forget what they're called. But they're like memorials. When you enter the memorials, uh, there is, you gain a health. When you enter the dungeons, you can get a quest. And if you complete the quest, you can get bonuses. Or if you lose wood or stuff like that. Um, I think that's everything. I think. There's also the center of it is the kingdom. You can always enter the kingdom and try and go after the king as well. The king is sure. a giant lion. Uh, and the lion is two guards. Is it two or three? I think it's three guards. I haven't played it in like seven or eight months, so I don't remember. The guards roam around and they try and, you know, do certain things. Each class or race plays a different way. Your wolves are kind of more like uh, attack heavy and, um, you know, your aggro, like your go straight ahead, head first type of thing. Your rats are very stealthy and uh, trickery. Your bunnies are just adorable and they use a lot of spells. Um, <laughs> and then the bears are just, I think it's, they do a lot of runic power stuff. And Yeah, they're like, they get like lore, ancient lore. Yeah. And stuff like that, yeah. So there's also these other characters which I did not see when I played, but I assume they're in expansions or something. These usurpers and bandit clan. Yeah, League of uh, Usurpers was one of the expansions. Bandit Clan was another. Um, there's other th- stuff too. Some of it's um, th- that stuff's all gameplay. They also have like uh, uh, other things that are just purely for aesthetics. Um, so like hats and things and, and and stuff like that. And items, yeah. stuff like that. It's pretty cool. The art of the game is great. I yeah, love the way I love the way it looks. It looks tremendous. The way you do battle is great because they it's very clear and very concise as to how certain things benefit you or, or or don't benefit you like that stuff is interesting the the main idea of <clears throat> going to quests and completing quests is good however the rng i never trust rng like that like when you go to a thing and you decide whether or not you want to avoid it or uh engage it if you engage it, you have a higher uh, chance to get a better item at the end. But if you avoid it, you definitely get the item. It's just worse. It's not as good as the the one if you engage the the thing. And then, but when you engage it, you have a chance to lose. And then basically, get these little bubbles that pop around the screen, and it goes to an RNG thing where like if it's red, you lost it. If it's green or blue, you win it. That's like the only thing I can kind of complain about with this game because. That RNG I never really trust. I feel like that's pre-scripted or not fair in mm, some type of way. true RNG. I, I don't know. It's just It just seems weird. That's my only complaint. It's not it. nearly as bad as XCOM when you're aiming at somebody and it says 98% <laughs> and you miss. And I then you're like, that. okay, okay, that happens once or twice out of 100. Well, specifically twice <laughs> out of 100. And then the very next one of your soldiers has the same thing, and they also miss. You're like, okay, two. And then the third one goes and has the same thing. You're like, all right, wait a second. It should have so. said 97% then, if that right. was the case. Um, but that's like my only problem with the RNG. Uh, you also have tons of cards. Um, there's followers, items, spells, uh, trickery. The main ones I saw were just items, spells, and trickery. Um, or like traps and basic stuff like that so basically your items you can load onto your your character so if you come across like a shield or a sword you can put on your character it gives you stats bonuses you can get followers to help you out in certain scenarios like uh they'll help you when you join townships and stuff like that or have different special abilities that can help you during encounters um there is trickery cards you can place on either other characters or in towns to kind of set traps basically for when people enter 
And there's also other things like you steal other people's cards. You can uh, take their gold, stuff like that. All these cards have a certain legal tender to them to basically uh, be able to cast them. You earn this tender every morning, whether it's gold, uh, spells, or, or like arcane energy, or lore energy. Basically, all these different things are able to spend these ways. The way you win the game, there's a couple win conditions. You can kill the king. The king gets weakened as each thing goes by. Mm-hmm. When you kill the king, uh, you win. However, if you kill the king and you don't have the highest prestige on the map, you don't win. The person with the highest prestige on the map wins. Basically, it's like you want to go around and get high prestige and then kill the king when you have the highest prestige. So it's like, there's like strategy involved. How do you move around? You gain prestige by... Uh, winning quests and going to different towns and so basically your your prestige grows and so it's knowing when to strike at the right time his health is really high so you can't really do it right you could do it right off the bat but then you like run the risk of not having high enough prestige um you can also uh let's see here the spirit stones uh i know that as a bear that's what i was doing i was going on trying to click spirit stone that's a way to kind of win that way uh where you basically cleanse the king like he dies in the process, but you still cleanse him. So like he's you basically it's like you win the favor of the people by trying, I guess. <laughs> I guess that works. Um there's rot I couldn't really understand the rot thing. That was the one thing I couldn't really understand how to what that So was. you have to have a higher rot, a more rot than the king and then you fight the king and then if you and if you kill the king while you have higher rot then um I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. Just so one. if you have to kill the king, survive, but have higher rot than him to win. If you die, or if you kill the king and you die, then whoever's got the uh, prestige wins. So you actually have to survive the fight with the king and have higher rot than him. So like, you can just wait out the clock and prevent people from fighting the king if you have the highest prestige, which I think, I like right. the multiple ways to win. It's so like, you just go around, do quests, do different stuff. And then every time someone tries to go after the king, you kill him, right? You're just trying to, you're trying to, you're playing uh, prevent defense while while you're kind of like, you're on top of the prestige. After every, I think it's after every night, whoever has the highest prestige is to uh, pick a board condition of like, you can, there's two choices, you choose one of them and then everyone else has to do those things like it seals off like dungeons or different like areas where you can't do like different board conditions that you can't deal with. So... As a whole, I thought it's a fun game. But, like I said, for my pre-spoiler spoiler, uh, I really wish to play this with a human being. Because sure. I think it would be really fun. Like, you've been trying to do it for a while. I think this game would be really fun. For like fun. two years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For two years. With me, you, and Wobbly, I think this should be super fun. Or like me, you, right. Wobbly, and It's Gabe. not going to happen anytime soon because <clears throat> yeah. Battle for Azeroth. And yeah. Then, yeah. I think Gabe would love this too. Yeah. My only other problem with the game is there's a lot of moving parts. A lot. I didn't find it that complicated, to be honest. Maybe it's just because I... Well, because you're also super seasoned. Yeah, yeah, that could be it. But, like, it felt... It didn't feel, like, particularly heavy. I felt like there was a a few too many moving parts because there's a lot of different type of tiles and a lot of different type of conditions. Like, I thought the rot thing was confusing and, like, what was that, like, demon bird that was flying around? I couldn't really get that either. Yeah, there's just a. I think there's like one too many things. But for someone like you who's very seasoned, I think it seems par for the course. Or if I just have more time and play with more people, 
I'd get used to it, you know. Um, but that would probably be my only minor complaint about it. But I enjoyed it. If you're into tabletop and games, I would highly suggest you get it, and you, and I would highly suggest you play it with friends. You can play to get like you can kind of work towards a goal together or screw each other over, which I think is fun. But like it does come down to there is one winner and one loser. So, anyways, that's our mellow. You got any questions for me? Sure do. Now I want to preface this by saying that you've already failed. Uh, okay. so you're, no, no, you're I understand. Getting a failing grade. It's no different than any other week when I did do it properly. I will also so. say that you actually answered one of my questions, which was the <gasps> victory conditions questions. So you got that. Uh, you kind of stumbled through it, but you got it. You got it. Um, so I'm going to start off the way I wrote them. Uh, so the challenge was to play Armello and then play against either. Uh, either myself or our friend Wally. If I played against you or Wally, I was just going to lose. And I don't know. I, I haven't games. played it in several months. Um, now, I'm, ass- I'm assuming you didn't play with others because you said you haven't played with people. So I, the question was, who won? Uh, and so since you can't answer that, that's that's a, that's incorrect. Me so and Wally both won because of Battle for Azeroth. So incomplete. incomplete. That's the answer. Uh, okay, so the next question. Uh, which of these names is not the name of a card in Armello? You ready? Okay. There's four. You have four choices. Slanderous Toads, Moon Juice, Slippery When Wet, or Expendables. Which of those I think I is saw, I, not I think I saw a name of a card? I think I saw Expendables. Also had Jason Statham in it. <laughs> My abs are beautiful. Um, I'm going to say Slippery When Wet. That is correct. That is correct. I got it. Okay. <laughs> Guns and roses. I, I saw I saw expendables. My one of my favorite ones was um I came across a really cool hero that like follows you around, but each turn it can wafer and follow someone else around. So like it gives you stats and they're pretty decent stats, but every turn it can join somebody else. I thought that was a really cool one too. It was like a it was like a rat or a rabbit or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. And then the last question. I have right, three. All right, all right, all right. Who is the cutest hero? And I'm again going to give you choices. Uh, it's Ben Rabby. Obviously. Is that your final answer? Uh, it's either Ben Rabby or the Mouse Squire. It's got to be one okay. of those two. Both of those are incorrect. I was actually going to give you choices. Uh, right, so what's the choice? What's the choice? Jumped the gun. But it's too late. I, I, it's too late. You already Damn gave it. And you were wrong, so that's that's wrong. The choices were Gore the Wildkin with his little Maokai friend. He's the, the bear guy. Uh, he looks adorable. Uh, there's a Twist Little Light Paw, uh, who is the cloaked and masked squirrel, and there's Amber the Far Seeker, who is a rabbit with a parasol, which is an umbrella. I prefer Ban Rabby over Amber because he's mm-hmm. a little bunny rabbit. And he's got a giant hammer. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I have a thing about bunnies in uh, in our thank yous later. It's gonna be fun. All right, okay, uh, so the correct answer is Gore the Wildkin. I blew it. He's adorable. Uh, so you got a your your total grade is a zero. Because uh, you did not complete. unofficial fifty percent though. I just want to point out I have always completed my challenges. Always. always. I'm two for two on not completing them. Okay. All right. All right. So, my turn. What'd you get? Okay, so Justin assigned me Code of Honor. Uh, Code of Honor is a movie, I think. It's written directed by Michael Winnick. Uh, it's got Steven Siegel. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Craig Sheffer. Uh, Luis Mandalore and Helena Matson, who honestly looks like Heather Graham. Uh, so, 
this movie it's on netflix i don't know why they have plenty of other movies they could put up there um they could honestly just put like an hour and a half of c-span and it's probably just as good uh so seagulls or steven seagull uh he he's his character's named robert sykes he is a former military colonel uh whose wife and child was killed in a drive-by shooting uh, so he has taken it upon himself to cleanse his city of all crime. And so over, over the course of like a couple of days or a week, or I, I, I'm not exactly, they don't really do a very good job of time, but it's at least a couple of days. Uh, he goes on a killing spree where he basically starts taking out drug dealers and gangs and cartels and so on, uh, all that kind of stuff uh, with bombs, with sniper rifles, etc. Now, Craig Sheffer's character, and honestly, I, I, before I started watching the movie, I saw him in it. I'm like, where have you been? Like, you used to be a thing, and now you're not. Uh, so he is, uh, he is Steven Seagal's former protege uh, and friend who is trying to help the cops stop uh, Steven Seagal's super vigilante character. Uh, he's pretending to be an FBI agent, but towards the end of the movie, it's revealed that he is not, but he is still trying to do the right thing and stop his, uh, his former boss slash friend. Uh, all sorts of fascinating things uh, happen in this movie. Uh, this movie uh, has things like slow motion strip clubs. It has things like digitally uh, entered uh, blood that uh, like when you get shot, like it's not actual, they don't have any, apparently they just added it digitally and it looks terrible um multiple people get shot in the dick uh which is always <laughs> interesting <laughs> which is kind of great uh i don't really understand why uh it, it it's it's pretty crazy there's bad writing bad acting bad production really boring story inexplicable plot elements uh, there's a bunch of washed up dudes clinging to the hope that they can still be action movie stars is really what's going on in here and uh, spoiler alert they can't uh, and the movie culminates in a slap fight between Sheffer and, uh, and Steven Seagal uh, on top of a rooftop that looks freaking terrible whenever they're doing it. And it's and it needs to be partially silhouetted when the stunt dudes jump in to make it like look like it has even an ounce of choreography. Like it's so bad. They're just they're honestly just slapping each other. Like that's all they're doing. Just slap, 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 slap. The beginning and then, like, of they the get movie. Into a night fight too. What's that? The beginning of the movie. When he's like putting, when he's putting the gun together, <laughs> what I was picturing is that he's he's just doing this. I'm gonna turn this thing. That's guy because he's just he he's so out of shape. Yeah, he's, actually, he's terrible. Uh, it's a pretty crazy movie. Like it's it's so funny because at one point in the beginning, uh, when he's when uh, when Shepard's character is talking to the cops. Um, and he's like, like kind of explaining who they're dealing with. He's like, he's trained to leave a survivor. Uh, and then he's also like, he's trained to blend in in any city, any terrain. And I'm like, is he though? Like, is he really blending? I mean, he has, those, really like, blends in. he has those, like, those trendy yellow gamer glasses that were like really cool, popular a couple years ago for like, you know, esports professionals. He's got a really bushy, nasty-looking goatee. He's got this scarf he wears. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I, how is he blended? Like, he blends, I, I, don't, I don't. He blends right in. You can't even see him. <laughs> I just don't know what he's talking about. It's so bad. Um, 
it's terrible. Like there's it like it's there's not even remotely close to a strong female character in this whole thing. It's just everyone is just old. Like there's like the mayor is like like there's some really incredibly awkward scenes with the mayor who like gets into like his town car or limo or something that he's driving away with like his his mistress when like the uh, the chauffeur like leans back says your your wife's on the phone on on line two and he and he's like awkwardly like super grossly awkwardly making out with like this woman who's like 30 40 50 years younger than him and he's like tell her i'm in a meeting and then there's like a sex scene with them later which makes no sense why this happens by the way i still don't understand like the whole character like helena Mats matson's whole character doesn't make any sense like she's afraid she's gonna get attacked by steven seagal's character which makes no sense because she's not a criminal and like the whole time like they're presenting her as some sort of thing and then like they try to do this crazy twist at the end like maybe they're different people or whatever and i'm like man it's just too late for that kind of crap and this is an hour and 46 minutes long this movie like are you kidding me like what on earth well, this right now, what we're gonna do here uh this is steven seagal what we're gonna do is i'm gonna sit in this sleazy bar and what we're gonna have, we're gonna have these women with the boobies out dancing around, and we're gonna film it real slow for a good right. ten minutes of film. That's it's what the people so want. That's what they want. <laughs> it is so utterly bad. Like I can't believe it. Like it's got a four point two out of ten on IMDb. How? <laughs> How? How does this have a four point two? Like it makes no sense. It shouldn't. It's so utterly bad like i couldn't You're welcome like how awful it was and i watched it the whole way through <laughs> just, i just kept looking at craig shepherd i'm like man a river runs through it buddy like what happened a river runs through it the program you were joe kane man you were joe kane what are you doing i don't get it it's just terrible like ugh, all right so you ready you ready for your questions then yeah bring it all right why did uh the 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 protagonist assume that the cop was a detective what was the reason why it's like i assume you're a detective because what was the reason why hmm. when he meets him on the roof for the first time or the, on the top of the uh the silo or whatever it was the first time and he's like i'm just looking around i assume you're a detective you can't you're not gonna shoot me with that clack it was and a joke about his age i don't remember specifically what the joke was but it was a joke about his age. I'll give you half percent for that. It was, I assume you're a detective because patrol officer has an age limit, I assume. So this is like going to be another one of those quizzes, like Riverdale, where you watch like the first five minutes. That's it, right? No, 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 no. Through the whole thing? Is that, that's more. what this is going to be? I, I went through most of this. This thing was okay. hot, hot garbage. It was so bad. All right. Dude. Next question. What, <clears throat> all right, so what was on the cover of the letter? Because the, 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 uh, the reporter... It's on each scene every time something terrible happens. Gets like a letter. What was on the cover of the letter that drew him to want to read it and be involved with the situation? What was on the cover of that letter? Ratings that gold, buddy. <laughs> Ratings gold is Ratings absolutely gold. right. Ratings yeah. gold. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. So you got it. Right. Next question. Level from one to ten. How sleazy is every male character in this movie? All right. Like. 10 being the highest 10 being the highest like 100 you're absolutely like, right sir every one so of these men bad. in this movie are horrifyingly so gross and weird oh god i'm embarrassed like, from the just... reporter to the mayor to even the guy who's supposed to be like the good detective all were just so gross uh, 
Yeah. The detective was probably the best of them all, I would say. Yeah, he could could double as a dad character in something else, but, like, everyone else, disgusting. Yep. Just terrible. Ugh. Last question. So yeah, that one. That one's. I don't know how you. I wrote a hundred. I don't know how you did it. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, next question. True, True or false? Steven Seagal improvises most of his lines. So this is just like not even real. Like I, I am so ready. I I paid so much attention. I could talk to you about. I can give you the name of the strip club. Uh, oh no! Guys. I can't even do that. Uh, <laughs> but it was also is also actually filmed inside of a real strip club. The answer is true, by the way. Uh, Southern Exposure. <laughs> Southern Exposure, right, uh, is the name of the actual strip club, but this is filmed. But that was a good question. I probably should have done that. that Snake Eyes Strip Club. That was good. Uh, I know the names of the 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 anchors on like who who are on like the actual news presentation programs. Which, by the way, those oh two my you Lord. were reading. Eric and Aaron, that's your names, which is ridiculous. Uh, you were reading for and sure. And they have. They also have I. I uh, like uh, Apple laptops, and they're not even dressed. Like they're, not, it's Ugh. like they, they like the, the dudes always wear a blazer. It's what are you doing? So bad. It's yeah. so bad. It's not even. Yeah, oh like there's like like there's a part where they do a, uh, a <laughs> they uh, like they're giving a press conference, and there's like ten people out there on the steps. It's like, and they're like they moved a podium out there. I'm like, why did you move a podium out there for ten people? You shouldn't be having a podium out there. And like when. No sense. When the he first off he kills innocent people by blowing up that strip club, right? He obviously has to. No, 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 no. Because he used a very special type. If you would have watched the movie, you would have okay. noticed he used a very special kind of explosive, a certain type it was, of C4. It's only, it's actually, only kills. It's actually uh, called C five, and it doesn't blow up strippers. It only blows it up strippers. Gang it's a special formula. It's very all chemical. <laughs> and so, know. like, I love how like he, he blows up the strip club. And then they're looking around, and he just hangs around for the next three hours while they're doing the investigation. And he's behind the police line, like, "Hey, what's, yeah. uh, what's going on over here?" I'm and then, gonna... and then they chase him down the alleyway. Ain't no way I believe Steven Seagal's character is outrunning anybody. Are you kidding? <laughs> that dude is so bad. <laughs> <out of trouble. laughs> like, I don't want to. Like, we're out of shape too, but man, it takes an out of shape man. Holy Ricking moly! Out another out of shape. I man. just love that moment. Ooh. It was almost like out of like snl or something where he's just like behind and it's not even like a lot of people it's like maybe 10 people then steven seagal and he's like something like i wonder what's uh, going on in here oh oh well, these season men better start walking away <laughs> it's just so bad it's so there are so many like absolutely embarrassing lines like when the one woman was trying to get her crack from her dealer and what she offered did you see this 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 uh this this part or I mean, it was part, like my main part that I it was about fifty minutes of the movie. I did so some I'm skipping. You dipped out of it. I did a yeah. little bit of skipping. I'll be honest. Yeah. I probably missed. Well, there is there is yeah there was that scene where she offered to to, to give him uh, some oral sex and uh, <laughs> it, he he declined because the last time it didn't go well because uh, apparently she quote chewed it up with all her teeth uh, and yeah that that oh was awesome that was God. great yeah and then like uh, a couple dudes got shot uh, in the crotch. Uh, one dude with a mohawk fell into a puddle uh, after getting shot in the crotch. Uh, there is an interesting, like when they're having conversations, Steven Seagal's like, I took an oath to defend my country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And then later in the movie, when he's like kind of criticizing, I think it was actually later in the same conversation, when he's criticizing Craig Sheffer, he's just like, because Craig Sheffer is like apparently a, a terrible guy. He like slept around or whatever. And he's like, and you, you know, had sex with everything that moved forward and domestic. I'm like, oh, you clever fella there 
That's so great. Anyways, That's... I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's um, awful. That is uh, such a bad movie. Uh, do you have new challenges? What do you have for me? I do. I do. Um, Are you going to make uh, me pay? Is that what's happening? No, 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 no. That's fine. Uh, so I would like you to watch. I'm not sure if you've, I don't think you've watched this yet. Um, and it just premiered third season, just premiered on TBS. And I just watched a couple episodes this week. I would like you to watch the first few episodes of Wrecked on TBS. I've never seen Wrecked. I haven't watched that one. It is honestly my favorite comedy that I have watched since Community. Not TBS. counting Archer, which has been on for even long, you know, really long time. So, but yeah, uh, I love it. It's a Jaws. It's kind of a Jaws spoof, or not Jaws. Uh, <laughs> what am I talking about? Lost spoof. Uh, it's kind of a spoof on Lost. It's so good. All right. So funny. You remind me of Danny. So. All right. So I have to. Hopefully, he's super handsome. That's what I'm hoping sure. for. Sure. Yeah. Um, my challenge for you. I don't know if you've seen this yet. If you have, I'll have another. One. I have a backup. I always have to worry about that. Have you seen Hardcore Henry? Uh, it sounds familiar. What's it about? It's a first-person perspective movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen okay, it. Okay, so never mind. The Give Evil Genius. Headache. You're going to watch the first episode. The first two episodes of Evil Genius. Evil Genius? Okay. It's a... Because it's a, I've been really wanting to watch this, and I'm kind of into this type of weird documentary stuff. Okay. So, like, uh, it's basically a uh, documentary about these people that, like, put a trap on a guy's head. So... Uh, that's on Netflix for free. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was going. I was instructed to let me put this out because I've been yelled at a lot for this now. I was instructed to have you watch Pop Star Never Stop Popping or Never Stop Stopping by Keith, who wants me to challenge you to that. But it's not free anywhere, so what we'll the oh, yeah. free? Definitely know then. So Sweet. I yeah, I don't want you to waste my time. So you're gonna watch mm. Evil Genius. That's what's gonna be. Okay. okay. All right. And on that note, let's close this episode down uh, by pointing out where you can find us up on the old interwebs. Uh, you can find us at lollygaggerco.com, uh, where we post all of our episodes. And uh, one day, someday, who knows, maybe Tuesday, uh, might develop some more stuff with it. Uh, Twitter, I'm fairly active on, uh, at lollygaggerco, L-O-L-L-Y-G-A-G-G-E-R-C-O. Uh, I usually run that sucker. Uh, Justin is uh, up on Twitch. Twi uh, what's, your, what's your channel? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Jehufa. I've been real lazy with it. Uh, Gabe keeps giving me garbage about it. I gotta get back on. I gotta yeah, get back on. I mean, on. if you're playing Battle for Azeroth, you might as well just, I might as well just slap it on, right? Might as well, so, if you're playing it. Yeah. Mean, there you go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And if you could give us an old review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you get your uh, uh, you get your podcast, that'd be great. Uh, and if you ever have any suggestions on certain things we might be able to challenge uh, each other with, uh, we're always uh, up for taking some audience suggestions which we've actually started to adapt a few times here and there uh, and on that note justin you ready to say some thank yous oh yeah okay to jillian jacobs and diet coke who collectively in the worst commercial for diet coke i've ever seen are basically telling me i'm free to drink a diet coke or i'm free not to drink a diet coke uh, I missed the Diet Coke commercial where the women in the office were spying on the hot dude on the street uh, who was taking his shirt off and drinking a Diet Coke. Uh, now that's a Diet Coke commercial. I, I don't, I don't like the new one. Anyway, I don't know why I was rambling. Thanks. There you go. You got that one on your movie theater too. Uh, I know. Every time, I can't. It drives me nuts. I'd like to thank my school for giving me seventh period planning because I can take like <laughs> a twenty-minute nap every day before practice. It's the most wonderful thing that could possibly have happened to me. So thank you so much, University High School. Don't, don't actually use it for planning. Uh, 
to the hawk that is in my sister's backyard who snatched a bunny rabbit and proceeded to eat it while propped atop my nephew's playpens. <laughs> Blair. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's going to be really fun to explain. We have video of it, too. It's great. Uh, thank you. Finally, this is a legit uh, congratulations. Our friend Jeff getting married uh, probably a couple of hours ago now um, to a woman who's unaware of how terrible of a person he is. So congratulations, Jeff slash Wobbly. Uh, mm. I'm glad you're uh, joining the ranks of us other married men. So congratulations. Congratulations.